Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with friends and family and say positive and glowing things about us on social media. If you haven't yet given us a five-star review, give us a five-star rating and review. And Christopher, I just thought of something. And a raving. Yeah, yes. I, I I, oftentimes am reduced to stammering. It doesn't take much these days. I just thought of something. What? If people include a question or a topic in the fi- in a five-star review, mm. um, we should be forced to address it on the show. Sounds good to me. What do you think? So if you give us a five-star review and you, brew, uh, you have a special request or a topic that you include with it, I mean, we said it now, so we'll have to address it. So give us a five-star rating. And um, if it's on anything other than Apple Podcasts, we won't know about it. So you're going to have to send it to us. <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter at, at @clergylay and join our Facebook discussion group. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician. And this is my brother, Chris, a priest. Hey, Chris. Merry Christmas, man. How are you doing? Merry Christmas. There are a few things I'm dogmatic about. And one of those is, is the liturgical calendar. We have 12 days of Christmas <laughs> and we have four weeks of Advent. Yeah. So don't say Merry Christmas to me. Now, here's the thing. I'm also a pastor, so I'm not like a jerk <laughs> about it. Right. I'm not. If people say Merry Christmas during Advent, I don't give them the stink eye. So what you mean is you smile at them, but you don't mean it. <laughs> uh, well, I don't, I don't reciprocate with Merry Christmas. I give them some other greetings. The, you give them the Jedi nod. And, and I, yes. <laughs> and, but, but I don't say Merry Christmas until, you know what? I will say it on Christmas Eve. Yeah. I will. I will. Um, even during the day, which is technically incorrect, but, uh, but then I'm, I'm saying it now. And what's funny is everyone I say it to, they're like, they, they kind of like, <laughs> happy, and then they respond, Happy New Year. Uh, which is know. not a Christian holiday. No, it's not. In some, so, way, in some ways, a profoundly anti Christian holiday because it's all about self improvement. Whereas the gospel is about well, we have a God and, who improves us when we can't. Right. And this idea that uh, you get a clean slate in a new year. It's like, well, that's not quite how it works. <laughs> but Jesus can give you a clean slate. Yeah. So, uh, Kirk, we had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, my my dad has already had COVID. Uh, so he can't get us sick and he can't get sick. So he's a uh, gas. He. <laughs> sure. He's, he is inert gas. That's <laughs> so, so he, he wasn't going to come down for Christmas, but then kind of spur of the moment, we talked him into it. And so he, uh, it was just great to have him here. And so he was going to stay from, he got here on, on Friday. He was going to leave on Monday. Well, we had a snowstorm scheduled for Tuesday 
And so he's like, well, I can't go home Monday, maybe probably not Tuesday. Uh, he ended up staying till today, Thursday, when we were recording, which was wonderful for him to just continue to add a day and then add a day and then add a day. Uh, it's been great. Uh, it was it was just delightful, uh, sweet, memorable time. Uh, him spending time with the kids, playing lots of board games and going sledding. On Tuesday, uh, we went sledding at a hill here in town. And uh, <laughs> is it the one that uh, the golf course? Not the golf course. Is it the park that, that you took one. me in? Okay. Nope. Different one. Not okay. not quite as big, but but qu quite quite big and, and quite nice. And so we met up with a with one of Isaac's friends there at the hill. Uh, but before Isaac and before he got there, our daughter and our son got on a sled together and we were so focused with me holding the sled for them to get on from then for me to actually look down the hill, what they're going at. And someone had built a massive jump and these kids, how many feet uh, What are we talking? I would say they were three and a half to four feet in the air <laughs> and they were not expecting it. And they both landed hard. Like on uh, the sled or not near the sled? Not near the sled. <laughs> they lost contact with the sled and landed, and uh, both were crying. It was one of those things where I was laughing, and then I saw that they're crying, and so I ran down there. and And uh, Isaac wouldn't do it again, but his but when his friend got there, his friend did it multiple times, and he got some serious air. I mean, this kid's probably forty five pounds. I mean, he sailed like a kite. And uh, and our daughter, she tried it again, but. Uh, that hurt <laughs> just as much the second time as the first time. And so she was kind of upset about that, but, but it was um, in the end, it was, it was a great, uh, great sledding. Uh, we thought we were going to have, we didn't think we were going to have a white Christmas, but then last week, uh, Wednesday, we had a, just a few couple inches of snow and then we've had a, a number of snowfalls uh, since then. So we've got, now we've probably got six inches of snow on the ground. It's great. I love snow. I'm so happy for you. Uh, we as well had uh, we had a white Christmas in a Hollywood cinematic fashion. Mm. So we had 48 degrees in rain um, Christmas Eve day. And we had two Christmas Eve services scheduled and we canceled the later one because of winter weather warning. <coughs> a couple days before... Uh, before Christmas Eve arrived, a winter weather warning um, was uh, was scheduled. Um, to use your words, I got a kick out of you. They scheduled say. a winter weather. <laughs> That's <warning>. right. <laughs> right. Uh, a winter weather warning um, was set to to begin on 7 p.m. Christmas Eve, and that, it was it was really quite accurate. Uh, the the temperature dropped from 48 degrees <laughs> around 4 p.m. to 25 degrees by 9 p.m. <laughs> Uh, just, wow. just a shocking drop and that driving rain turned into driving snow. And we woke up on Christmas day with six inches of snow. That's great. And, oh no, it was storybook. It was so great. And so we played in it and it was white. And of course, you know, the living room and everything is just brighter when mm -hmm. new fallen snow. It was so good. Um, so good. Uh, but we, um, this year, uh, we've had a, a running Christmas joke. Um, we, uh, are you familiar with the, uh, the game Kahoot? Nope. So it's a uh, it's it's a game often used in schools. It's a uh, it's a it's a it's a way when you have multiple devices. If you have kids with iPads or something, I, I can facilitate. I can create a trivia game. 
I can create a trivia game where I will. All right. I'm sorry. I had to pause there because Daphne burst in for the, because she had an emergency. She wanted I... quote candy or pretzels. <laughs> so uh, candy we, emergency. We playing, yep. Bottom line. We were playing this game that we often play where I will airplay from my computer trivia on a TV. And uh, you can do anything from movie history to world geography to presidents uh, there, there are Kahoot games for anything. And we, we decided to do a Kahoot of Christmas carols. And instead of me make one, I just, I just looked up Kahoot Christmas carols on, on the website. I'm like, oh, that one looks fine. And uh, it became clear like seven questions in that whoever, whoever wrote it had vague and fuzzy <laughs> grasp of Christmas carols at best. And so there were, there were a couple of laughers in there they just, that are just wrong um, questions that the answers were just wrong. But the last one, the last question, Christopher, it said, what Christmas carol is this? And then it played a clip from YouTube. And it was, okay, Christopher, what is that yep. Christmas carol? Sleigh ride. Sleigh ride, right? It's sleigh ride. I love sleigh ride. Everyone loves sleigh ride. So... Stay right is not one of the options, or the four options. Huh. And so we're like, uh, what is it? And so uh, we all we all we all get it wrong because according to the the, the Kahoot, the correct answer was silent night. <laughs> <laughs> so every time that would have been like December 17th. So in the last two weeks since then, every time we hear either sleigh ride, we say, ah, the kids will go, Daddy, it's silent night. Or when they hear silent night, they'll be like, Daddy, it's sleigh ride. And we just laugh and laugh and laugh. That's funny. <laughs> so if um, next time we uh, we spend the holidays together, Christopher, probably because kids' minds are like a steel trap, you won't be able to sing Silent Night or hear Silent Night without my kids yelling at you about sleigh ride. So I look forward to that. Make you ready for that. Today's gospel comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, 
Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. For when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. Behold, the star that had that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Kirk, this is our text uh, for this Sunday, which is also the Epiphany <laughs> text, which is kind of nice because Epiphany is a midweek holiday this this year. Yeah, uh, let's talk talk about this. Explain this briefly, how this causes hand-wringing and <laughs> panic among priests all across the Fruited Plain every year. Well, it's, it's an issue because... We do not get January sixth off. It's not. It's not a. It's not a national holiday, so many churches don't have services on on January sixth. Kirk's solution is just have a service on January sixth, which which we all should do. And but, then all eight people that come, we can uh, worship Epiphany together. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> our our prayer book specifies for for all saints, and what would be and and I guess Ascension. Uh, Ascension's always midweek, right? Um, it's just the nature of it that that those are moved to the following Sunday and observed then. So we have something we call Ascension's Ascension Sunday, and then All Saints may be moved to the next Sunday. And this is called uh, translating a feast. Yeah, and uh, you know the, the the reason that Ascension's always midweek is because it's a, a, it's the same number of days. Following days. resurrection, it's forty days following the 40 resurrection. Days, yeah. So that's not that doesn't break down easily into weeks. <laughs> no, forty-two days would have been better for us. Uh, but I, I guess they didn't take that into account. Did did Jesus <laughs> didn't take that into account? Did he? So so January sixth is an issue. Uh, once every what six seven years? Is it seven years? <laughs> There's seven days. Once every seven years, it's on a Sunday, right. and then it works works out perfectly. But we don't want to move it to the next Sunday because the next Sunday is a very important Sunday theologically. It's it's the, the baptism of Jesus, the baptism of Christ, and we're gonna have we're gonna have uh, Father Harrison Eyre, a friend of the show, on uh, next week to talk very excited about for that the baptism of Christ. So so that's gonna be that's gonna be great. But uh, we we don't want to give short shrift. Uh, we don't want to skip over Epiphany because this used to be. A big deal for centuries in the church. Epiphany was a bigger feast day than Christmas. It was one of the big three. Epiphany, Easter, and Pentecost were kind of like the big three holy days uh, that, that stood above 
all other holy days. And it, it, it was only, I forget which century that kind of Christmas eclipsed it. Charles Dickens, right? In, yeah. That's one way of looking at history, right? A Christmas carol um, basically invents Christmas as we know it, right? I don't know. That sure, sure, but the, but the church, but the church uh, would have have uh, celebrated it as right. As, as I think happy. it was in happy conjunction with um, kind of um, a liturgical revival in the, in English Christianity as well, a sense of observing feast days with greater solemnity. Yeah, but but as as Christians, we we ought to care about what the early church did. Uh, the, the first year, you know, there, there's a certain American sense that like the first maybe two years of, of Christianity, maybe five years, maybe 10 years, maybe 12, maybe the first half century was really good, but then it just got off track. Like once we got these bishops and stuff or, or whatever, um, whatever, whatever the case may be that, that uh, basically everything in between that and the reformation can be tossed out, which is no, 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 no. Um, certainly some, some medieval superstitions came into the church that, that had to be removed because they, they were in direct conflict with the clear words of scripture, but, but what what the way are that our fathers and mothers of the faith worshipped it should be important and so epiphany is a huge day it should be a huge day for for christians and so uh what we're doing in our diocese not just this year but uh each year going forward is uh we're stealing a little bit from christmas uh the second sunday of christmas is going to be we're going to uh basically move Epif uh, move the celebration of epiphany to that sunday so that it's not missed now um, it works out this year have you looked in uh, in other in the other two years um when there, when there isn't a second sunday of christmas no i'm saying um our, our lesson this year is is our gospel lesson is the epiphany lesson right i'm just wondering how it'll work that's it i've, discussion I've not looked time. at year c or year or yeah. year a but but um that, that that's what we're doing and um that's what the, the actually that's what roman catholics do is is they they um so that they it doesn't get missed and so and also so that the baptism of christ doesn't get missed as this sunday after epiphany uh that that's how we observe it so so we're looking at this uh this epiphany and and what's interesting uh, in this text discussion that you and i and harrison had was uh i asked harrison because I heard some people call it Three Kings Day, yeah, which was kind of interesting that that this was called Three Kings Day uh, when uh, and Harrison pointed out that this actually gets it wrong a little bit. Is that it's not about it's not about the 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 wise men. This is about the the the, the revealing of Jesus Christ to the nations. That's what Epiphany, the Epiphany, is about. Um, so the word Epiphany itself means manifestation or revealing. And that's, and that's what this, this day is. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem, uh, but he was, uh, you know, fulfilling the prophecy of this Davidic Messiah. And in all the, these prophecies point to this. And we see that today in, in the gospel reading where the, these, these wise men came to Herod and, uh, <laughs> This must have been interesting for them, right, Kirk? That they're that they're like, oh wow, here's this wonderful king that we came to worship. And so, who's the most sensible person to go to? The king. The king, right? Go to the king. But the king was none too pleased to find out that there was this baby that he knew nothing about that was going to take his throne. And uh, so they looked at so Herod, who who wasn't a great friend of 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 the religious folks. Uh, he had an uneasy relationship with them. Called them in and was like, "So what? So what? What, what do the writings say? Where, where is this king going to be born?" And they ascertained from Micah, "Oh, it's in Bethlehem." Uh, so uh, they go on to Bethlehem, but 
but to call it the three kings day day misses the fact that this is not that this davidic king born to israel is for the whole world for the salvation of the whole world it's not just for israel that that the the promise to to abraham that he would be a blessing to all people that uh genesis you know 315 uh that that the uh, the the seed of the woman would crush the heel of the serpent all the all this stuff god was restoring creation through jesus christ uh and he was going to restore all the nations and so these people um these people who are outside of the covenant are brought into the covenant and so to call it uh three kings day first of all we don't know if there are kings <laughs> We also don't know if there are three of them. And that's where we depart a little bit from. Uh, I asked Harrison, I was like, do you think there were three of them? Uh, because I think it wasn't until maybe the sixth century that we uh, gave them names. These these names of Gaspar and Melchior and I Bel whatever, Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar, uh, whatever the third one is. Yeah. Uh, Balthazar. Uh, and, and Harrison was like, well, I mean, they say we've got the skulls of them in such and such cathedral. It's Cologne uh, Cathedral in Cologne. Yeah, Cologne. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not. Mm, I mean, I I'm not so sure about that. Um, so the you know the I, Christmas Carol I saw three ships come sailing in is like a highly allegorized telling of the three kings. Yeah. Which how is anybody supposed to know that when you're singing about ships sailing in? But like. <laughs> anyhow. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> my my main point uh, is that um, we don't know that there are three of them, but that that there are three gifts. We. I think it would have come up earlier in Christian tradition that there were three kings, that there were actually three wise men. Um, but we don't do know that there are three gifts. Uh, gold. So uh, so not only – I just want to – let us put our our minds let's, – let's think about what these wise men from the east, the fact that they uh, – travel back in those days was dangerous. It was difficult. Uh, roads aren't good. There aren't – uh, and these were clearly wealthy men um, travel, being able to travel and being able to bring gifts. And uh, these people came from afar seeing a star. I mean, this, this is kind of unthinkable. I think to us today, to, if, if we actually think about what it is that these people did, they came bearing gifts and came, came to worship this foreign King. But that is, in fact, what they did. So, like, God revealing Christ's saving work to the nations is, is a really, really remarkable thing. But in going to Herod, uh, they didn't know any better. Um, that, that was a bit of a, mis of a mistake. But just as we've always on this show talked about God lifting up the lowly uh, and, and, and uh, the way up is down. And I'm trying to think of the words of the Magnificat, how, how God is uh, – thrown down the mighty from their mighty thrones from their or whatever. Seats, yep. Yep. And hath exalted the humble and meek. Yeah. Where uh, Herod thought he was pretty great, but, but uh, we, we see this humble baby who's the actual King and Herod, who is this puppet of, of the Romans that he only served at, at the pleasure of the Roman authorities. Herod was a nobody and, and a, a jealous and uh, insecure. Nobody who, uh, we just had the feast of the Holy Innocence, Kirk, mm -hmm. uh, where he went in and shed a great deal of blood of these newborn babies uh, to try to weed out this this king that would would come and take his throne. So, uh, so, so lots of interesting stuff here. Um, and like I said, the gifts, gold uh, is, is 
symbolizes royalty and, and frankincense is, is this tree gum that you burn during worship to produce an aromatic smoke. So this is symbolic of prayer. And then myrrh, of course, points to Christ's uh, ultimate uh, act as, of, of a sacrifice for, this, for, for your sins and mine. Um, that, that myrrh is, is used to anoint dead bodies for burial. Well, so we get 33 this... years, his body will be packed with a king's um, worth of myrrh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And who's that? Joseph of Arimathea that pays for that? But it's notable, right? You, you, this is a proto-prophecy, right? Myrrh yes. shows up as yes. he's an infant, and he will be packed in a whole bunch of myrrh um, yeah. in 30 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Kirk, tell, tell me some of your thoughts here on... on, on uh... I'm sorry. I was so impatient because incense is one of the things I wanted to talk about. And I got excited yeah. when you brought it up. I did not mean to derail you. Um, but since you asked, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, will, uh, I will tell you about that. So um, there, there are different uh, combinations of incense that are, that are um, used in, in churches that, that use incense. Um, but most often it's a combination. It's either frankincense or myrrh, or a combination of frankincense and myrrh. And uh, it took me a while in my own home to kind of get it right. Um, I was never, because I've been a church musician, I've never been um, part of the altar party, Christopher. So I've never right, actually right. swung a thurible. <laughs> mm. um, and so my children know more about how to properly, you know, uh, get a thurible going, how to do the charcoal. Um, Kim and I were, were looking at last night, St. Agnes Anglican Church in Nassau in the Bahamas. <laughs> uh, Agnes? On, that's yes, the name the, of your van. That's the name of our van, which I couldn't remember the other week, right? Um, and uh, and um, they are, I, I wonder what the temperature was of that church on Christmas Eve. It couldn't have been, you know, below 75, but they are smoking that thing up and you got eight-year-old uh, Bahamanian boys that are swinging that around and just using centripetal force to make sure that like charcoal and and like hot frankincense, uh, <laughs> um, what's called resin, isn't like uh, splashing on people. And you you could not see all the way up to the altar. It was so lovely. <laughs> um, uh, but for those of you who aren't um, in a high church tradition, you might wonder why why what, what's with the incense and it, it, uh, it's in my throat and I can't sing. Um, and yet this is a, a, a lovely ancient and quite biblical and scriptural um, practice in worship. And uh, it is it is really meaningful to me um, when Christmas comes. And then it climaxes when Epiphany comes because of these gifts. Um, frankincense was a big business in the Arabian Peninsula. And in some ways, until the discovery of oil in the 1920s and 1930s, um, uh, Arabia never really recovered when the frankincense business collapsed um, so somewhere at the end of the Roman Empire. And uh, um, these, these plants were, were um, common on the Arabian Peninsula. And uh, would, they would be used as incense. Um, it was used in, uh, in, in Jewish, the Jewish religious tradition in the temple, it was burned. It was also burned, and this is actually Christianity contributed to the collapse of the frankincense um, trade because uh, it was used in pagan temples in the ancient world. And with, uh, with the um, end of pagan temple worship, it, it kind of, uh, it disappeared until later it was used in, in Christian worship. 
um, some years later. But we we burn frankincense because it was a gift to Jesus, um, and it was used in temple worship. But then myrrh, frankincense has has a sweet uh, smell to it. So if you've ever been at a church that's used it, you'll recognize it there. Um, myrrh has a more pungent sense, and um, I like myrrh as well. It's uh, it's it's obviously it has the it it should have a more profound um, effect on you when you smell myrrh being burned because it is a reminder that our Lord was packed in it. And so kind of your heart should should go to a good Friday. Um, so I love this. Um, several years ago in 2015, a friend of mine um, got for me a Johann Sebastian Bach smoker man in Germany. And uh, ever since then, I burn incense cones during uh, Christmas tide and then into Epiphany. And not all of them are frankincense and myrrh, um, but but some of them are. And so it, it reminds me of being in church during feast days. I love it. Um, uh, I get Kirk, a Kirk, Kirk yes. say more about uh, incense and church being being biblical. Yeah, yeah. So um, the symbol, the symbology, uh, the symbolism, symbology. What am I like a like? A, <laughs> English professor in Stanford making up words. Right. The symbolism there is is goes back to the Old Testament. Um, the incense are the prayers ascending to God. So it's the visual right. visual representation of prayers of of the people ascending to God. Mm -hmm. And um, and later on in Revelation, uh, it, as well, um, we see that uh, metaphor used again. Um, as the prayers rising as incense to, to God's nostrils. So um, it's not something that, that, that at some point Anglo-Catholics made up or uh, the Roman Catholic Church made up in like the 1850s. It's, um, it's an ancient and biblical practice. I mean, and it's also lovely, right? So it's, we worship God with all of our yeah. senses. Yeah. You know, yeah. why smell linoleum when you could smell right. frankincense? You know, it's, it's just better than smelling, you know, Lysol or whatever your church happens to smell like every church has a <laughs> certain smell it can have. Yeah. So I would just say that. Do you have anything to add to that? Nope. No? I just, okay. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do, I do want to mention, um, T.S. Eliot wrote a lovely poem about Epiphany and, uh, I had it up and if I lost it, then that's my fault for losing it. Uh, let me see if I had it here. There it is. Journey of the Magi. Um, and, uh, and in it, he talks about, um, uh, the wise men looking back and wondering, uh, was it worth it? And I just want to read, uh, Mm. read the uh the last well let me let me read it let me read it. i'll stop apologizing and, and this is what i was trying to capture like you know of, of course it was worth it but like to to say we're gonna just set out and follow the star and bring gifts <laughs> and worship this baby king that we find there what an odd thing yeah but like clearly god was moving right mm -hmm. i mean god was drawing them it's 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 so it's such a cool story that that I think we're so accustomed to that we it loses just it's cr the craziness of it. Yeah. Well, let me and say yet, this before I before you know, I, God, the grace of God like, that God draws us to like and so that's yeah. Um, the, the Methodists would call this prevenient grace and and the Calvinists would call this um unconditional election, right? Um, mm -hmm. you know, and and um, I, I or, just think it's yeah. it's God or common God, grace that common, that yeah that um that there's. God reveals Himself in other ways to mm -hmm. um, to the uh, the th those that are, that are not regenerate, right? Sure. And that would have been the the Magi, right? Yeah. But yeah. yet their eyes were open to this common grace, this star 
this call for those who had eyes to see it and they had eyes to see it. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me just say this, something, something about what you said reminded me, um, I have been blessed to be in a parish for the last 16 years that has been really dogmatic about disambiguating Christmas and Epiphany. Mm. So we do not have the wise men at the, right, <laughs> at the nativity right. until January 6th. Um, and a, a lot of Christian churches just kind of collapse the two things. Sure. Yeah. Which, which is inaccurate. And yeah, the, the, the funny part about that is, is that your priest would not <laughs> the first Noel to be sung because it's just inaccurate. Right. You know, came why the wise men three or whatever in one of the yeah. verses. No, that's not what happened. That didn't happen at the first Noel. That, that's not a thing. He even a couple of years ago dug out a, um, I don't know, some staunchly Presbyterian version of it that had rejiggered the verses so that uh, <laughs> the chronology was biblical. Okay. But yeah, but basically we don't sing the first Noel because of that. So <laughs> that's really funny. All right, here's the poem, The Journey of the Magi by T.S. Eliot. A cold coming we had of it, just the worst time of the year for a journey and such a long journey, the ways deep and the weather sharp, the very dead of winter, and the camels galled, sore-footed, refractory, lying down in the melting snow. There were times we regretted the summer palaces on slopes, the terraces, and the silken girls bringing sherbet. Then the camel men cursing and grumbling and running away and wanting their liquor and women and the night fires going out and the lack of shelters and the cities hostile and the towns unfriendly and the villages dirty and charging high prices. A hard time we had of it. At the end, we preferred to travel all night, sleeping in snatches with the voices singing in our ears saying, this was all folly. Then at dawn, we came down to a temperate valley wet below the snow line, smelling of vegetation with a running stream and a water mill beating the darkness and three trees on the low sky and an old white horse galloping away in the meadow. Then we came to a tavern with vine leaves over the lintel, six hands at an open door dicing for pieces of silver and feet kicking the empty, and feet kicking the empty wineskins. But there was no information, and so we continued, and arrived at evening, not a moment too soon, finding the way. It was, you may say, satisfactory. All this was a long time ago, I remember, and I would do it again, but set down, this set down, this, were we led all that way for birth or death? There was a birth, certainly. We had evidence and no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but had thought they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We returned to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation, with an alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad of another death. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Mm. So much great there. So these wise men going back to their Persian or Arabian palaces. So this uh, T.S. Eliot goes with the, 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 um, the piety that they were kings. Um, 
uh, the sense that you can't go back again once you've seen the King of All Kings. Right. And having sherbet delivered to you by silken women mm -hmm. on your terraces, but amongst the foreign people clutching their gods. Um, and he says, I shall be glad of another death, which we know that T.S. Eliot was talking about. Well, perhaps baptism, baptism and a Christian death, looking forward to the resurrection. Um, it's just lovely. The sense that, and this is the greater sense, Christopher, what you were talking about is the epiphany is the calling of the redemption of humanity extended for the first time revealed, not just to the house of David, mm -hmm. but to all humanity, to the Gentiles, right? Mm -hmm. So the, three, the, the Magi are the first Gentiles to mm -hmm. see the incarnate word, right? And so that's mm -hmm. the epiphany, right? The showing forth, the revealing. Yeah. Um, and once you have the rest of humanity, the rest of us, you and me, right? How can we clutch our gods and sit on our terraces mm. um, in our old life once we've seen this, once we've had this truth revealed to us? So I love that. And then one more, one final piece of art, uh, lovely epiphany art. There's so much, Christopher, you, you said it. Um, epiphany was once this great high feast day and so was the inspiration of such great art. Um, Sandro Botticelli, a great Renaissance artist, who you know, even if you don't know, because you know his scandalous painting, The Birth of Venus, right? It's this, this nude um, standing in the clamshell um, with a combination of hair in her hands um, covering her, her privates. Yeah. <laughs> but but and it, it's been popularized and then it's become a meme and it, I, we've probably no longer if you have the ability to really appreciate it. But that's not the only thing he, he uh, painted. He uh, was, a, was a Renaissance artist and... and was hired by the church to do much uh, religious art as well. And uh, he uh, painted a painting um, titled Adoration of the Magi, um, which I can share a link to, that I have kind of been, has been with sitting with me for the last couple of weeks. And uh, it's not necessarily historically accurate because what 14th century Italians thought, <laughs> <laughs> you know, first century Arabs war isn't, isn't quite accurate or a bit fanciful. Um, but it's still lovely. Um, it's just lovely. So I commend that to you. And then in the 20th century, an Italian composer, Niccolo Respighi, was so taken um, by some of Botticelli's paintings that he composed a 20-minute um, orchestral piece called um, the uh, Botticelli Triptych, which includes three paintings. One of them is The Birth of Venus, but one of them is The Adoration of the Magi. Mm. And the the, um, the tune that he uses is Veni Emmanuel, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And it's played in the cellos, but you hear it with this um, Persian spice to it. And you just mm. hear, you can hear camels traipsing across the desert. It's the coolest thing ever. Um, so, and it, 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 um, it captures the foreignness of this, the Eastern nature of all of this, right? This is camels and incense <laughs> and deserts. This is not, you know, um, uh, what's a kind of a Western domesticated Christmas? Uh, it's not us, you know, in snow and it's not sleigh ride, Christopher, <laughs> right? Right. right. <laughs> so it captures that, captures that Eastern exoticism um, quite well.
so this week for theology, we want to talk incarnation. Yes. Uh, we uh, did not plan to skip last week as far as the podcast, but uh, as just the way that our both of our weeks wet were going, we just did not find a time to record. And so we don't want to skip the incarnation. In fact, that was my that was my sermon this past Sunday on on uh, the first Sunday of Christmas was was exhorting people to, to not skip over Christmas, to not think of it uh, as just like, well, Jesus had to be born so he could die and be raised. Like, no, the, the incarnation, the fact that, that Christ took on flesh is significant for us. Uh, it's not, and, and, and I think uh, we need to make sure that, that uh, the word incarnation, the incarnation, is in our lexicon. I, I, I try to define it as often as I can, but, but I, I wish I didn't have to because Christmas isn't, you know, just Jesus' birthday. It's not just like, oh, well, he's, he's one now, he's two now. Oh, it's Chris, you know, and it's, it's, it's not even his birthday. It's, he wasn't born on December 25th, but we are celebrating the incarnation, the fact that, that, that God was made flesh. Um, uh, so, uh, and, and also, so, so the, the gospel reading on, on last Sunday was John 1, the prologue, uh, John 1, 1 through 18. This is the prologue to John. Everybody knows this passage. I don't, I, I'm guessing we don't have a single listener who hasn't read this dozens of times or even studied it dozens of times. Uh, but we study it because it's significant. And so it, it's interesting how it connects uh, actually to Epiphany, uh, with Epiphany being called the season of light. Uh, we have the light of the Bethlehem star um, in John one. We uh, John was not the light we're told, but he came to bear witness to the light. And then of course, you know, we see light throughout, uh, throughout the, the gospels, but John likes to use it a lot um, in, in the epistles. He uses it, but um, in Matthew and the sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Um, and so, uh, we are bearers of, of this light into the world. And so, uh, this candle, the candles that we use and things like that are, are significant of, of Christ's light of yes. the world. And, and Israel was supposed to be the light to the nations. And so there, there's, there's a, a usage of the word light quite a bit. So, um, much like, uh, so John, so referring to the prologue of John, John chapter one, verses one through 18, much like Mark, I mentioned how Mark was a pair a sort of a parallel to Genesis 1-1. This is even more so, right? <laughs> that John is saying, okay, you read it. Everybody, I'm sure our listeners, could tell you what Genesis 1-1 says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And John is like, oh, okay, I've got, I've got the new beginning to tell you. In the beginning was the word. Okay, so Mark says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Uh, and here John is doing something else. He's saying that this child that was born in Bethlehem wasn't just the Messiah or this Davidic Christ. Um, he is the second person of Trinity of the Trinity. He's God. And he was with God in the beginning. And in fact, he is God. Uh, so not only is Jesus God, he is the word of God. And so we call the Bible the word of God because it's God's revelation of himself, that God has revealed himself to us uh, through his word, through scripture. And um, the most clear revelation of God is Jesus Christ. So our, our God is a God who we know through his own generous self-disclosure. We don't need to guess about who he is or what he wants. He's given us the Bible. And Kirk, I've mentioned on this podcast a number of times how much I love the opening to Hebrews. 
uh, where mm-hmm. the, the writer yes. says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things. And I'm going to, Oh, I know. I'll continue. Um, through whom he also, also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So Jesus is God's most full revelation. But, but John means something else here too. So when he says in the beginning was the word, he is using something that's familiar to his readers that a little bit lost in translation. Um, and so many, many of our listeners probably know that the Greek word that he uses here is logos or logos. Uh, either pronunciation is acceptable. Some, some really pretentious people might insist it's logos only, but whatever. Jesus is the logos of God. Logos is, is the word that not only has like a dictionary definition, but it's, it's dripping with philosophical complexity. And, and yes. of, of it, John using it, he's not just saying uh, something like he's not just using a dictionary de- definition. He is referring to current philosophical notions, um, Greek philosophy, Jewish philosophy, um, that Jesus is the logos of God. Um, in Greek thought, specifically among the Stoics, uh, logos refers to the rational principle of the universe, that Jesus is the logic of God. And as Christians, we see God's word as integral throughout the, uh, the Old Testament. So we see the word of God um, being, being significant. And I don't mean the, the logic of God, but God spoke creation into being. God spoke through the law at Sinai. God spoke through the prophets. In the Old Testament, the word of God creates. The word of God gives understanding to the prophets. And then we have Jewish wisdom literature where, where we have um, wisdom being almost a character. It's a, it's a feminine noun. Um, it's, 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 it's like wisdom personified is, is like this, this woman uh, that, that stands by the side of God over and against the created uh, world. And, and, and so John choosing to use the word logos uh, is he's, he's kind of borrowing from Philo and, and this um, Jewish wisdom literature, but he's also bo- borrowing from kind of uh, Greek uh, philosophy, specifically Stoics. Well, Jewish wisdom about- literature by way of Greece, or vice versa, because right. Philo was in Alexandria, which was in Egypt, just yeah. a hotbed of um, of Greek philosophy. Yep. Yeah, and, and so saying that Jesus is the Word of God is 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 kind of taking a, making it a masculine noun, and it's and saying that he's the logic of God, and and it's it's um. It's, it's reshaping wisdom into the incarnation, that wisdom personified is Jesus. Um, but while Greek philosophers embrace this idea of, of this logos of the universe, this rational principle that binds everything together, uh, wisdom in, in Greek thought was over and above creation. It wasn't a part of creation, right? Right. And what John is saying is something else entirely, that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. He tabernacled with us. He pitched his tent with us, as, as, as um, some uh, translations say. So, so it's interesting that, that Luke, I love Luke chapter 2. It's great. But um, John kind of assumed Luke. He's like, we already know the where, where and the how, right, of what happened on, on, uh, at, at the birth of Christ. But John is telling us what happened. You know, what happened? That Christ 
that the word of God, the logic of God, this rational principle uh, became flesh. The second person of the Trinity. So we see Trinitarian theology here, uh, and he dwelt among us. So, so Luke's like, yes, Jesus was born in the city of David because he fulfills this covenant promise to David. But um, he is God in fleshed. And that's what Christmas is. It's not Christ's birthday so much as the <laughs> feast of the incarnation, celebrating God being made flesh. And so uh, we, we, we've talked about this before, how Gregory of Nazianzus um, said, for that which he has not assumed, he has not healed. Right. Um, so it's important for God to be made flesh uh, mm -hmm. in order to heal what was, you know, what's corrupt about our flesh. Um, in order for Jesus to take my place on the cross and suffer for my sins, he had to become like me. Amen. So uh, yeah. th those are some things that we did not get a chance to talk about last week. So I, I wanted to, to kind of address this and, and really uh, get Christians to, to start using the, 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 uh, the term, the incarnation. Um, that, because that's, that's what we're celebrating, the incarnation. Yeah, uh, Christopher, I like chili. Chili's great. And uh, there's a way you can buy chili. Um, you can buy chili, chili con carne which just in Spanish just means chili with meat. <laughs> Jesus is God con carne, <laughs> right? Jesus is God with meat. And you and I have talked about this. You need, we need the hairy God um, to be reconciled um, with the father. We need the hairy God is the God for us, right? So this is, this is where we get the word incarnation, um, we talk about carnivores, Christopher, right? We are, we're carnivores, we eat meat, right? Well, that's where incarnation, that's that, that same etymology that's uh, lurking under there. And I, I love the, the, um, the earthiness of that, right? Um, the word, right? The organizing principle, the intelligence um, that, that has caused, causes all galaxies to rotate just as they are. Um, became meat <laughs> and, and thought it good to do so. Um, Christopher, you and I both um, love uh, the service of lessons and a festival of nine lessons and carols. And specifically, we love um, the tradition of Christmas Eve morning, listening to it broadcast live from King's College, Cambridge. Um, it's so beautiful. It's become uh, a beloved ritual in my household as well. And um, there are nine lessons and it begins, it's the, it's this um, epic span of the Christian story, starting with our rebellion in the garden. Um, and the last lesson, the last lesson is this, right? You're smiling and nodding. The listener mm -hmm. can't hear, but you were smiling so big. I love it. It's this. And Christopher, do you know, I have this memorized. I have this emblazoned in my heart. I think of this every time I, I see John 1. Do you know the rubrics in, in the service? The heading for the, the reading? It says, St. John unfolds the mystery of the incarnation. Mm. Mm. And isn't that just precisely what he does? Um, and uh, there, are, there are bad theologians, or not bad theologians, I'm well-meaning, but who are doing bad theology, or priests who are doing bad preaching, um, when they use mystery to say something unexplainable that God does. And actually, um, in Christianity, um, we, don't, we don't believe in mystery in that way, that God hides things from us. Right. But rather the mysterion, the sense of revealing um, that, that uh, a, a mystical, a great mystical truth. 
And this is what we mean when we say St. John unfolds the mystery of the incarnation. Um, that, that, that this unbelievable, this gift that is too good to be true, um, this, this great organizing principle, the Logos, becomes a, a, a fragile, helpless human um, that is hungry for mother's milk, um, cold and shivering um, in, in an impoverished outskirts in Bethlehem. You know, um, it's it's just lovely. Uh, my son Simon, uh, he said to me on Christmas morning. Well, let me back up. We have a tradition um, before the kids may uh, may sprint out to open presents. Um, we do several things. Be as good Anglicans, we <laughs> liturgize Christmas morning in our household. Um, I read first uh, the Luke reading, mm. then we pray the Lord's Prayer, and we pray the Collect uh, for Christmas Day. And then we read this. And Simon sighed. Um, and I looked at him and I'm like, you okay, Simon? He's like, yes, I just love this, this reading from John so much. <laughs> wow. And I love that. So uh, uh, somehow we're creating grooves in his soul that he's, that he's loving this. And this is mm. always, uh, Christopher, what? The, the reading for Christmas Day, if there are services on Christmas Day, and then the first Sunday. Um, and mm -hmm. it's too bad. It really is too bad because those are two things that are often poorly attended, <laughs> right? right? Right. It's interesting. We have um, a great tradition in, in American Christianity of attending Easter Sunday services, um, but oddly, we um, it doesn't occur to us to to go to church on Christmas Day, and that's probably that, that'd be a hard. You talk about hard traditions to build. Um, that'd probably be a hard tradition. That'd be fun well, that's, to see. That's the one that, there. <laughs> that 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 is going to be my thing, Kirk. Um, <laughs> I, nice. I guess I guess I didn't tell you that, but but um, we're we're gonna build that. So um, I love it. That's so great. It, it is interesting that that Christmas Eve has become this the celebration. And I even had this conversation with my dad as we had to cancel our Christmas Eve service, and he's just kind of like, "Well, what are you gonna do?" And I'm like, "Well, well, that's not the holiday. Christmas is the holiday. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Christmas, Christmas Eve is, is the eve of the holiday. It's the vigil, right? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> It'd be like the Easter vigil to Easter Sunday, right? It's yeah." Yeah. And so as, as, as I like communicated this to people, I was like, well, this is this, the incarnation is the holiday. And, and the great thing is we have 12 days of it. So um, come to church on Sunday. Yeah. Like that's, that's going to be our celebration of it. Uh, be, because like what I did is I, I distributed a brief home liturgy, but mm. um, we are gearing up for, for me to plant my flag as this being like, no, like if Christmas is the holiday, that, that is, that is the, it's the feast of the incarnation. Like that is the day to worship together. And, yes. and I think it's going to be, I, I don't think it's going to be easy, certainly. Um, but um, that's, that's my, goal. that's my goal. I love it. Uh, Christopher, can we very briefly, can, may I do a, a little, a little bit of Christology here? Um, because uh, we use incarnation and John 1 is red. And um, you and I have, have lamented a little bit, however, that um, something, the theology about Christmas, <laughs> the fact of an incarnate God, um, it's, not, it's not penetrating into the hearts of American Christians, mm -hmm. um, perhaps in the way that, that, that it ought to. Um, and here's what I here's what I mean by this. Um, when we uh, marvel at Mary's yes on the mm. last Sunday of Advent at the Annunciation, um, when Gabriel tells her what's about to happen um, by the power of uh, the Holy Spirit, um, 
the, uh, the, the most high will overshadow you. I'm, I'm, I'm betraying the fact that I don't have it entirely memorized, right? Um, <laughs> but you will, you will bear a child. How can this be? She knows how biology works. And, yep. um, and it is explained to her that it is by the power of the Holy Spirit yep. that, um, that she will become with child. And she says, be it unto me, as you have said. And, um, and uh, you and I have, in, in different conversations, become aware that um, American Christi Christianity, by the things that it does emphasize around Christmas, um, accidentally has not taught certain important things, mm. right? And one of those things is what it is that happens in Mary's womb, that the full deity of God, the second person of the Trinity, which as we read in St. Paul, it says in the Philippians, um, isn't half of God. It's not one quarter of God. It's right. the fullness, right? Isn't that St. Paul's word? The fullness of God mm -hmm. dwelt. Yes. Um, and so all of God, all of the second person of the Trinity um, enters into Mary's womb and resides there for nine months. And um, the, the Greek word that was used to pin down uh, Nestorius and other kind of uh, other uh, to pin people down and make them confess uh, biblical Christianity um, was Theotokos, right? Mary is the Theotokos, the God bearer. Right. In English, it, that, that's, that's cumbersome. So we say mother of God, but it's interesting in the way that that makes people squirm. Um, and, it, and then it makes, if you push American Christians, it might make American Christians say something out loud that maybe you realize is, is not really Christian when you say it out loud, like she was only mother to the human half of Jesus, or, I mean, it's just not true, right? She gave birth to God. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so what do we mean when we say that? Well, the, the fancy word there is the hypostatic union. So that is two natures, um, a divine nature and a human nature and one person. Uh, and the one person is Christ. And so this is what we celebrate when we marvel, when we peer into the cradle is that is God. Um, it's interesting. I had um, George, my youngest son, who's now nine. Um, he went through a phase when around Christmas and he would see uh, the baby Jesus or the cradle or the Holy Family. He would say, um, like, look, it's God. Or uh, someone would say, oh, you know, hey, George, what are we, what are we worshiping? He'd be like, God was born. And they would, and people would instinctively correct him. No, Jesus was born. And then, of course, you know, pedantic me, <laughs> instead of just letting it be, you know, I'd like, no, 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 no. Jesus is God. God was born. <laughs> um, so this is a really important thing. Um, and it has real practical effects. Um, there are uh, bodies. Uh, how do I want to say it? I don't, don't want to call them churches. There are sects, S-E-C-T-S, that confess this. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses, this, these Arian and Nestorian heresies, Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists, but they are not Christian. <laughs> right? We believe that all of God, the fullness of God dwelt in, that, in the womb, in Mary's womb, and then in the cradle. And that's really important because you need the fullness of God to die <laughs> if you want to be reconciled with God the Father. Um, and so the cradle, um, you need God to be in the cradle for God to be on the cross for us to dwell with God forever. How's that, Christopher? <laughs> That's good. That's good. And, and just the way that you were defining it uh, made me think of the Athanasian Creed. Um, 
with, with, with its uh, just get, getting down to the nitty gritty of, of the definitions to say, um, you know, that baby inside of Mary was God, you know? Yes. Um, and, and so I think an exercise that people can do is, is to say things that are factual and biblical uh, just as you did, um, which is why we could call her the mother of God. No, she wasn't. Um, so, so I understand the the complaints that people might have about that would be like, well, this word that was at the beginning, like she was not the mother of that, right? The word in the beginning was the word. Like she did not give birth to that, right? But that she was, did give birth to that. She didn't create that, right? Right. That, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah. That, that's. Um, but no mother creates a child either, right? right that's true. We believe that's that true. God yeah. creates the child. <laughs> I guess I'm saying I, I understand the impulses, even if um, by by saying that you start to work your way into heresy. Right. <laughs> Just yeah. So yeah. No God. No mother ever sat in their bedroom with clay creating right. their child. Right. Right. <laughs> okay? right. Yeah. Like no, that we we don't believe that about motherhood. It's so weird how American Protestants though um, create a new concept of motherhood. <laughs> Suddenly, yeah, yeah. a new concept of creation, right? Only that right. kind of creation. We've only ever believed that God creates uh, human souls. Yeah. So, so uh, one other thing I wanted to add, Kirk. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just something that, that came up in, in my mind as you were talking about, uh, I don't know what it was that you said, but you talked about like the, the, the sun ruling the day or something. It reminded me of one of my favorite hymns. We Sing the Mighty Power of God by Isaac Watts. Oh, so Love good. It. We sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. And it's the second half of this first verse that I really wanted to point to because it's because it is pointing to John 1 1. We sing the wisdom. There's wisdom, divine, you know, like the 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 logic of God. We sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command and all the stars obey. It's a wonderful, wonderful text. I love this hymn. And um, it's interesting that I've heard it to a number of different tunes. Uh, I don't know which one you listener know it to, but it's it's a it's a very good hymn. And uh, go listen to it. Speaking of hymns, Kirk.
Yes. Let's end with the briefest of brief uh, cultural segments because we're at an hour. Um, let's talk very briefly because it's still Christmas tide about mm-hmm. Christmas carols we're loving this year. And if I were going to be really pedantic, I just uh, I just read somewhere something that I didn't know before. Uh, we use the term Christmas carol. That a Christmas carol is a very specific thing uh, that I don't even remember what it was because it wasn't that important to me because I don't care that much. But it was like something to do with the way that you sing. Is is it a round maybe? Do you have to sing? Is it a round? Anyway, Christmas songs, Christmas carols. We use those terms interchangeably. Kirk, talk to us about Christmas songs, Christmas carols. Uh, so every year I, uh, I, I try to kind of focus on it. I mean, the problem is I'm a church musician. So I- That is um, a problem. <laughs> well, just I'm, I, I forget. I'm soaked in all the carols and all the hymns. And mm. I find more and more, I, I delve into the the darker, deeper, deeper corners of, of church music every year. Mm. And I worry that I lose my tether to kind of the ordinary pew sitter and what mm. they're familiar with. Um, so, so you're, you're saying mean, when, when you do an instrumental only um, version of uh, shoot, what's that, that Latin um, one him that I'm thinking it's great. Uh, no, it's not coming to me. Now, oh, Magnum Mysterium. Oh, Manu Mysterium. Yes. Yeah. Which we sang which last year. Great, Victoria which is, version, yeah. Yeah, which, which is a great uh, Christmas hymn that everyone should know. Yeah. So I, guess, I guess that's my first contribution. <laughs> we'll link yeah. to it. So so a couple, just a couple of uh, recommendations to the listener this year that are, that are a little, little off the beaten path. Um, like some of your hymnals may have it. Um, some don't. Um, the first one is, uh, well, Personet Hodier. Um, on this day, earth shall ring, which my children love because our local college right down the hill where my wife went, Geneva College, um, their music director, the choral director for their cho- their music department, um, Dr. David Smith, uh, is uh, a, a member at our church and um, uh, is very evangelical about getting all of us to, to come to the, their Christmas yeah. concert. And their procession, the choir always processes into uh, first First Presbyterian Beaver Falls, which is just this beautiful Gothic stone church, stone floors and um, with a good choir and a good organ. It's just, it's spectacular. And this is always their tradition, what they, uh, what they process to. Um, and it's, uh, the tune is, um, it's the, the tune and the harmonization that is typical is by uh, Gustav Holst. And um, it's in, it's in E minor. So it's a uh, most Christmas carols are in major, but um, some are in minor, like uh, a God rest you merry gentlemen and on this day or shall ring. And my children love it. And recently we had a, on Christmas day, the day after Christmas, we had a, we had a small family gathering, uh, um, COVID aware um, at our house. And we did a uh, kind of a carol sing and um, had pa- passed out all, our, all of our hymnals and had people calling, calling out hymn numbers. And my kids mm. called this one out and everyone else was like, what's this? What's this? And I kind of like sheepishly had to explain, oh, they like it because we go to the Genevans concert and they sing it there. Um, <laughs> but it's but it's wonderful, um, uh, listener. Uh, I don't I don't know if I'll uh, get to include this in in the show or not. But uh, the first verse just goes, "On this day, earth shall ring with the song children sing to the Lord Christ our King." Born on earth to save us, 
him the father gave us and then it's got this bit of an earworm for a chorus um and uh the organ has has uh, kind of imitates bells it's uh, just got sort of this great grand e minor solemnity um and then the other one is even more obscure christopher even more obscure it's a german carol that the german lutherans love and it's actually in our hymnal um but it's never really taken uh von Himmelhoch from heaven um, from heaven above to earth I come, or, or um, from heaven high I come to you. But here's why I love it this year. First of all, it's just a very simple tune so children can learn it. Um, and it's sort of the German Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It was written by, uh, Yo no, Martin Luther. I've been telling people Johann Gerhardt. It was written by Martin Luther. Um, there you go, spreading misinformation again. I, that's, that's a thing I do. Um, but uh, I love this because it's the only carol that I can think of that's written from Jesus's perspective. Mm. So it's very John one, like, of course, nothing would be written from like Jesus's perspective in kind of the, the Luke sense, Luke two sense. Cause it'd be like bah, bah, crying. <laughs> gah, gah, gah. <laughs> so it's more theological from heaven. high, I come to you. I bring you toy tidings, good and new glad tidings of great joy. I bring whereof now I say and sing. So it's lovely and it's, it's a simple tune. I'm not gonna sing it now because I'm afraid I don't know it well enough that I'll, that I'll accidentally not sing it. Um, what's, been, uh, what's been in your ear this Christmas? Anything fun, anything different? I don't know, I, I can't say anything different. Uh, we didn't talk, I guess, in detail about the segment. I just have a list of, of songs I wanna talk about for various reasons. How about that? Yeah, do it. So this is just a like list of favorites. So uh, be, at, at first, like my, my top two favorite Christmas hymns are very clear. Hark, Hark the, Herald the Herald Angels Sing. O Come yep. All Ye Faithful. O Come All Ye Faithful. Yeah. I mean, those, those if, if I got two Christmas hymns and only two, those would be the two I, that I would keep. Um, they're the greatest. Um, I love them. But but uh, the other common ones that, that you may know that I also love, uh, I, I love While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks by Night. Yeah, uh, to which that. tune? See, I, I like all the English <laughs> tunes. Um, I've I've just I've totally is that Winchester that new way. or Winchester old? How about the tune that we grew up to is almost unsingable. Well, well shepherds watch their flocks by night. All seated. I can't even settle on a key. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 um the Christmas hymn that I have grown to like, uh, the most in in recent years for its theology is uh angels from the realms of glory oh yeah it's a grand um and we do angels from the realms of glory sorry Ancient i'm not square. warmed up yep. yep um a little town of bethlehem like that song uh what child is this That's an american carol yeah it is yep what child is this kirk love it mm -hmm. uh you know you mentioned minor key it's, it's, it's yes an easier, there's another uh, minor key yeah there's another minor key one this this is christ our king um in the bleak midwinter uh so I don't think there was snow on snow on snow on snow, <laughs> uh, but but this is a common thing for cultures to kind of, you know, describe things in in ways that make sense to yeah. them. Yes, you know. Yes. Uh, obviously, once in Royal David City is great. Um, that's the for always the first song mm -hmm. of of um, a festival of nine lessons of carols, and I love it. Now, so so that that is a, a list that, that I have, Kirk. But I also have a, a list of of my favorite Christmas hit songs that you may not know, listener. And and maybe, and maybe you do know these. Uh, and so some of these, this first one, Kirk, 
I love it so much. I love it so much. And I struggle to, I don't know what it is. I struggle to say the name. Like there's something, okay. Indulci Jubilo. Did I say it? Indulci Jubilo. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know what it is about those separate words that are difficult for, for me to pronounce. Um, but especially, is it the Wilcox? Um, the Pearsall. No, I'm sorry. Pearsall. It, it's the yeah. Pearsall. The descant in the last verse is divine. It is, it is one of the most beautiful things uh, that, that uh, I've ever heard. And, and it's, it's, it's an interesting song in that it, it goes between Latin and English. Uh, but um, the Pearsall- Do you know what that's called? I don't. It's called macaronic poetry when you have poetry that um i, I love that, macaroni that poetry in, that is in multiple languages and it, it, it um macaronic uh, um tunes organically developed in the medieval church because the laity didn't know the didn't, entire yeah. latin yeah. mass right but they'd hear certain parts and be like hey i know what that means right so like the common like in dulce jubilo dulce sweet in sweet rejoicing is what mm -hmm. that means so, so that um, the la laity would have known in Dulcio means like we're, we're rejoicing sweetly, right? We're singing sweetly. Yeah. yeah and and it's, it's, it's a beautiful tune, but like the, the last verse in particular, the descant is, is out of this world. It's otherworldly. Um, mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's one of my favorites. Um, and I'm kind of disappointed if I hear anything other than the Pearsall arrangement. Yes. Uh, um, what else do I have written down here? Of course, the Sussex Carol. Uh, you you might know on Christmas night, all Christians sing to hear the news the angels bring. Love I it. love that song. I love. I really like the Seven Joys of Mary. I do too. I was this I, close to having us sing it this year, and I we I, we didn't. I mean, the choir. It, I wouldn't wouldn't have the yeah yeah. And then there are a number of of Latin words here that I'm gonna mispronounce. Um, how do you say uh, quem pastoris lativere? Is is that? Oh, I like you that. like that. Yes, I you do. do like that, don't I, you? I, I like that a lot. Uh, and I've got some written down here that that I've kind of forgotten how they go. Thou must leave thy lowly dwelling. How does that go? I'm, I, I'm embarrassed. I don't, I don't recall <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, and then another Latin one, which I'm going to uh, Q-U-I-T-T-E-Z-P-A-S-T-E-U-R-S. It looks like quidus pastures. Um <laughs> We're, we're devolving into spelling we're de here. This is terrible. <laughs> uh, and I'm just going to go rapid fire here. The Shepherd's Carol. Yeah. The, sh the Shepherd's Farewell. Gabriel's Message. Yes. Jesus Christ, the Apple Tree. Love that. Of the Father's Love Begotten. Linden Tree Carol. Can I, how does this one, can I not sing? Hey, Linden Tree Carol, you like that? I do. Yeah, we're going to sing that on Sunday. Um, just my children and me. Not the rest of the choir. Like it's it's a bit too difficult, but yeah. Can I not sing but hoy? Do you know that one? No, I don't. Okay. There and uh, there is no rose is the last one I've written down as far yes. as like the, the the best ones that that you may not know. So I I, I try to uh, also like you, Kirk. I try to uh, expand and, and learn some new ones each year and. And uh, I don't know if I learned any new ones this year. There and... is no rose is interesting. That that was part of a, a medieval revival as um, uh, people began almost like um, like the Renaissance, uh, almost like uh, uh, people in the Renaissance searching uh, ancient libraries for Greek and Roman texts. In the 20th century, you had church musicians searching for medieval carols and discovering stuff like There Is No Rose, which is, that's, a, that's an example of that, which is uh, really good. 
you've given awesome. Christopher, you've given me some to some to spend more time mm. with. I love that. That's awesome. Mm. And maybe what I can do is in our discussion group, I'll just post the list since like yeah. I can't even I can't even pronounce some of them. But so he, I'm gonna do something um, for to close out. Um, I will play um, with is Gareth Garth Garth Edmondson's. Um, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna play an organ piece. Um, Garth mm. Edmondson's um, Toccata on von Himmelhoch. And um, it's like bursting with with Christmas joy and energy. So that's that's um that's how we'll we'll close it out. So cool. instead of um a, a choral rendition of From Heaven Above to Earth I Come, um we'll we'll listen to an organ uh, cor- improvisation on it. So very cool. Kirk, shall we pray? Let's pray. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Oh God, who wonderfully created and yet more wonderfully restored the dignity of human nature. Grant that we may share the divine life of him who humbled himself to share our humanity, your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. O God, by the leading of a star, you manifested your only son to the peoples of the earth. Lead us who know you now by faith to your presence, where we may see your glory face to face through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech you, O Lord, and by your great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk. Next week, Christopher.